And if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. They had obviously researched every place, not just given me names. They found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. We're now very confident that she's safe, and they just helped every step of the way, and I can't thank them enough. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call a place for mom. This is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, A Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Good afternoon. Chuck Moore speaks Monday through Friday, 10 till noon Eastern Standard Time, here at the IRN USA Radio Network. You're welcome to join the program. 844 439 1391. 844-439-1391. And we shall hopefully have my guest soon, that being Hiawatha Bray. He is a Boston Globe reporter, columnist, and the author, he's a tech columnist, actually. And he is the author of the new book, You Are Here, From the Compass to GPS, The History and Future of How We Find Ourselves. And uh, this book is a history of navigation. Going back to ancient times, he talks about um, Henry the Navigator, the great Portuguese navigator who who set ships off uh, to uh, discover the New World, but then went around the Cape of Good Hope in Africa, developed Portuguese colonies, actually was responsible for introducing slavery to the Christian world, or the Portuguese were, I don't know about Henry the Navigator. And then he brings things up to the modern times when we now are in a situation where we have the technology and the biometrics to um, know exactly where everything is practically in the world. He points out that, that his wife happens to be a native Congolese, and he has spent time in Kinshasa, the capital of the Congo, where he is able to track that city, which is a very large, sprawling city, on uh, Google. And you can take a look and zero in. And most people have done this by now. There's not only apps that do it. There's one in particular that my daughter showed me. And my daughter is a heck of a lot smarter than I am on these matters, even though she's a teenager. I think most people who have teenagers know what I mean. And uh, that, that you can actually you know, zero in on, on uh, any city in the world and, uh, and go up close and take a look at houses and roofs and literally, uh, you know, scroll down the street. You know, we took a look at Ayers Rock in the middle of Australia and found a small city, and then we went in and looked at different houses. I mean, it's amazing what, what you can do. I mean, there are some countries where I think that a lot of this is obscured for security reasons, 
particularly Israel, although Israel does have a lot of it. Okay, we are joined by Hiawatha Bray. Hiawatha, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Well, glad to be here. You know, your book deals with uh, and talks about uh, your tech uh, columnists at the Boston Globe have been for a number of years, Mm -hmm. and your book gets into a history of communication, uh, location, as it were, right up to the present day. That's right. You oh, well, are yeah. the book. Yep. I'm sorry, were you waiting for me? <laughs> I was waiting no, for you. Okay. You are uh, here from the compass to GPS, the history and future of how we find ourselves. I was just talking a bit about how amazing we are, technology is now regarding how you can locate uh, a, virtually any location in the world. And uh, my daughter, who's a smart, lot smarter than I am on these matters, she's a teenager. She showed me a, an app where she was able to zero in on a small town in Australia and literally take me down the street so we could look at the houses and we can look at the buildings. It's amazing. Oh, well, that's been around for some years now. I hate, I hate <laughs> to break it to you. I think you're talking about Google Street View. And yeah. that in itself is an amazing story, um, the way that Google basically has hired cars to drive streets all over the world and uh, take photographs of everything that it sees. It's a fascinating story. Google actually got into considerable trouble uh, for doing that because they were also intercepting people's Wi-Fi traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that. It's a fascinating story about a local company, a Boston company, that invented a way to map the world using Wi-Fi, those little routers we have in our houses. Mm-hmm. They figured out that if you could drive down the street and correlate the Wi-Fi signals with GPS latitude and longitude information, you would then be able to draw a map of any area where there were a lot of Wi-Fi routers. And when you were in that area, your device would pick up the Wi-Fi signal coming from the routers in its, in its immediate vicinity, and it would know where it was. It isn't quite as accurate as GPS, but it's very close. Now, Apple, you know, the original iPhone, right? Everybody was raving about mm-hmm. how great it was. The original iPhone, and this is a real shocker, did not have GPS. It did not include it, and they got a lot of flack for it. These guys from Boston came along and said, you don't need GPS. We'll put this in the iPhone. And so Apple was one of the first major devices to offer this. It's a company called Skyhook, and uh, they built this into first the iPhone and now into lots of other devices so that you can use Wi-Fi to find your way. This freaked Google out. They wanted it at first, but they didn't want to do business with Skyhook, so they decided to do it themselves. By, you know, the same trucks that they're using to take pictures of the streets, they put Wi-Fi detectors on them. But they made a huge mistake. See, the way the original company Skyhook did it, they just sent signals that just, it was like radar. They just went ping, ping, ping. And all they got was the identifying number of each router. That's all they intercepted. Google simply sent their truck down the road, and they intercepted everything that people were transmitting over their Wi-Fi routers. Mm. And they did this all over the world. And they did it, among other things, in Germany, a country that is hardcore about privacy. It comes out that they're doing this, and Germany freaks, and then countries all over the world find out about it, and they freak. And Google has gotten into huge trouble for having done this, and because it turned out they actually intercepted passwords, emails, phone numbers, all kinds of personal information, because they screwed up. But it shows how important and how sensitive this whole issue of location can be and how far people are willing to go in order to deal with it. Well, you know, I remember looking at the Google image of my own house in Boston mm-hmm. and seeing a person that looked like a neighbor walking down the street with their face kind of smudged out. But, yes, yeah. I mean, it certainly – I found it to be a, a technology that was troubling to me only in that if they can do that, then the same technology could look through my window 
And, no, uh, that technology couldn't. But there are okay. others that I suppose could conceivably do that. Uh, I, uh, there is, in fact, I've written about a company. And that's not in the book, but I've written about a company that is indeed working on the idea of uh, maybe not looking at people, but uh, basically being able to detect movement inside a house by uh, picking up the Wi-Fi router inside the house. And by variations in the signal strength, they might be able to, in effect, look through your doors and see how many people are in that house. Uh, just by using the Wi-Fi as a sort of radar. So now I'm not, I'm not obviously as up on this as you are, and I'm, yes. I'm kind of a bit of a troglodyte here. But um, did I hear correctly that there is technology in place that will eventually allow our computers and our televisions through cable and uh, and other uh, satellite to to watch us in the house? Well, I wrote about that again. This is not in the book, but no problem. Right. Um, uh, Apple, not Apple, I'm sorry, Microsoft. Uh, mm -hmm. apparently filed a patent application for a technology that was possibly going to be embedded in their new Xbox One gaming system. Now, you know it contains a feature called Kinect, right? Right. That's a feature that can act, it has cameras that actually can see what you're doing. And that's there because you can play games with it. The camera watches your movements, and you use that to play various games. Uh, and you can also use the camera as a teleconferencing system. So you can sit in your living room and do video calls with other people who have Xboxes and actually see each other while you're talking. But they filed a patent for an idea where they would turn the camera on on the Xbox Connect device at all times and track what you were doing in your living room while you were watching television. And then would automatically show an ad on the screen that might be related to what you were doing. So if you're a man and a woman in your living room and you're cuddling on the sofa, it would notice that that's what oh, you were doing and send you an ad for contraceptives. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, the television the is going to watch you. Well, you're going to watch the TV. The TV will watch you. And I, I suppose that this seems like something that, that is probably already there, only in that I now know that through my, um, through my cell phone I can FaceTime my daughter or my wife and see oh, them wherever they are. So, yes, I mean, I would think that it wouldn't be much of a stretch to be able to put in technology that could do this 24 hours a day. Well, yeah, well, you do have, like I said, there's the camera in the Xbox One. There are increasingly cameras inside television sets for people who mm -hmm. want to do video conferencing. And, of course, you know, some of us are paranoid on that. I'm sure you've heard uh, that there are a lot of people with laptops who put scotch tape or something over the camera lens huh. because there are programs out there that can, without your knowledge, activate your camera and watch what you're doing. Right. There was the famous case of this, the high school kids uh, who, who or I think, was it high school or was it a teacher, was it? I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was somebody connected with a high school where they had put a special anti-theft software on all the school's laptops. And uh, actually, there was a stolen laptop that fell into the hands of a teacher and somebody had activated the anti-theft software, and they had nude pictures of her in her home uh, that they had intercepted, and it was because she had a, she didn't know it was stolen. She had a stolen laptop that had this. There was another case where some high school kids were being monitored at home because the school had this software on it. For some reason, somebody at the school turned it on and was looking at what high school kids were doing in their bedrooms on laptop oh, computers. Well, yeah, you know, that's so, been around for a while also. Some security yeah. companies sell that that particular hardware oh, yeah. for people who want to watch their home, they're on vacation, they, their kids are home alone, they're on another continent, and they like to just click on the, the old cell phone and take a look at what's going on in the house. So Absolutely. I, I think that's been out there. They want to watch the babysitter, make sure that everything is going okay. Now, the technology is also being experimented with in the city of Los Angeles. There's been a proposal, I understand, 
to, and this one also, it, it's obvious. I mean, that the technology is there, and that is to put a GPS chip into every car that that is um, that drives around there, so that the city can get uh, gas taxes. Yeah, <laughs> people have been talking about that. Where you are? I, I just, I mean, there are some people who think it is an a, a an interesting idea. You know, it's really uh, striking because. A lot of people are actually saying this makes sense as a taxing method. It's a more efficient way of collecting taxes, and they might conceivably be right about that. The problem is obviously the immense privacy difficulties. That right, because they can also know where you're going and where you are, and you know it's, it's oh, completely yeah. makes everything. Which I suppose is almost a moot point if if the te- if the cell phone has that same facility, and we all carry cell phones. Yeah, now the cell that's phone right. Can but track every step. Yeah, well, they have to. By definition, the cell phone wouldn't work unless it knew, quote-unquote, where you are. Right. So you have to give up that information to a cell phone. Um, and you also mentioned the, the profiling being done by uh, ad agencies and uh, corporations who buy their information. Absolutely. In that including, every time you make a purchase on, uh, online or, or even watching your activities, uh, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Well, then, now, they, don't, they, they say they're not collecting personal data, and I believe them, because what they're doing here is they're not trying to track you. What they are trying to do is track populations, groups of people who behave in certain ways. Mm, for example, sure. like you say, your Verizon, for example, they sell this to marketing firms. What they say is, we have millions of users, and we know where they go. We won't tell you who they are, but we will tell you we have this bundle of users who go to sporting events. This right, they're looking at demographics and they're looking at, at exactly. people who purchase. And ad agencies, of course, have been doing this for years. So this Absolutely. is one of their stock and trade. But, but the now problem now, they can track or, or I don't know if you say the problem, precision. but the issue now is that it can be done to such a high level of precision. Yep, that's that, exactly uh, right. You know, they can actually predict what you're going to think practically it's based upon uh, you know, past actions and uh, purchases or whatnot. Yeah, it's a classic case of what they sometimes call big data. If you collect enough information about enough people, you can come to some remarkably accurate conclusions about what they have done and even what they're going to do. Some researchers at Microsoft found out that if you tracked somebody for like a week just where they went, you could predict their future behavior with a very, very high level of accuracy, which if you think about it, isn't that shocking. Most of us Hmm. go to the same places, you know, (laughs) day in and day out. And, and, and I, I'm not all that troubled with it when it's done by a, a private entity, although I have problems with that. Yeah. The issue get, becomes more pronounced for me when the government does it or when you have political candidates do it. And well, my understanding can... is that President Obama during this last election was brilliant at using this sort of technology to target a specific where they would send us to... Breathe it in, kid. Clean, fresh air thanks to these new air handler filters. They're more energy efficient, hold more dust, and are stronger than ever. And Granger's got over 3,000 different styles and sizes to choose from. Just ordered a new batch from Granger.com today. I love oxygen, kid. And this facility's got some great AO2. I'm breathing easier just thinking about these air handler filters. Get some today. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com slash air handler or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You have probably heard of the KISS system, K-I-S-S. Keep it super simple. 
Hi, how in the world are you anyway? This is Andy Willoughby presenting the Simple 3-Step Plan Home Business System. I really think that the main reason the 3-Step Plan has been able to help so many people build a business working from home is because of its simplicity. If you have a telephone, internet access, and some good old stick-to-itiveness, you can make more money working from home. For information, go to 3-STEP-USA or call 800 480-2102. Our turnkey system will give you everything you need to be successful. Many three-step plan members are now in the top 2% of income earners in the nation, and they did it working from home. If you want a better financial future and think you might appreciate the freedom of working from home, we invite you to check out the three-step plan. Go to 3-STEP-USA or call 800-480-2102. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-800-220-0926. 1-800-220-0926. That's 1-800-220-0926. 1-800-220-0926. This is a special news alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-210-1349. That's 1-800-210-1349. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-210-1349. 1-800-210-1349. That's 1-800-210-1349. You got to pay attention to the small things, kid. Small things matter. Small problems become big problems. Take a transformer. Rain leaks into a transformer. Insulation system breaks down. Insulation system breaks down. Copper windings overheat. Copper windings overheat. Transformer blows. Transformer blows. Facility goes dark. Facility goes dark. Kid, you don't want to know what happens next. That's why I use Granger. Granger helps keep small problems from turning into big problems. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. And my guest is Hiawatha Bray. He's a columnist here at the Boston Globe in my hometown. He's also the author of the new book, You Are Here, From the Compass to GPS, The History and Future of How We Find Ourselves. Hiawatha, there's so much we could talk about. We've got a little, such a little time. I hope to have you back sometime. It's such a huge subject. Oh, yeah. Um, 
we were talking about the uh, you know the the technology and the biometrics of location and and uh, and computer tracking um, as handled by uh, private entities and there's huge problems with that. Oh yeah, uh, including theft and uh, and kind of a manipulation hacking into systems, manipulating also, people's credit cards. It's also the question of the government because you see, but that's it, right. That's what I want to ask you about. It's this weird unholy alliance kind of thing that's happening, where yeah. these giant companies are collecting the information for the relatively innocent purpose of making money, and then right. uh, company uh, government agencies come along and either. Uh, knowingly or unknowingly, these guys are having this information collected by government agencies that are using it to put people under surveillance. And uh, in some cases, these companies howl and say, we didn't want our data used this way. And then organizations like the NSA say, oh, come on, you knew perfectly well what we were doing. We got your permission. You worked with us. And we are not really sure who to believe. It's really eroding our ability to feel confident in what's going on with our personal data online. Who's really getting it? What are they really doing with it? How much of what they're telling us is a pack of lies? It's really disturbing. Well, this this is a, this is the issue I wanted to ask about. The NSA, starting in the Bush administration and now accelerating under Obama, has ignored or has taken a blank check from the FISA courts with regard to what they can monitor and not monitor, and they've worked with private companies like Google and like uh, Ma Bell and uh, you know, to to basically uh, snoop on our phone calls and gather up data, uh, to look at our computer screens and take a look at what we're what we're typing into our emails. And well, yeah, I I try yeah, not I mean, to be too paranoid about it. Okay, because I'm one of those people who really does think a balance has to be struck. We are in danger. There are bad people out there sure. trying to blow us up, and these guys are desperately trying to figure out how to gather the intelligence necessary to keep that from happening. But like a lot of people, when I'm reading about this stuff, it just seems to me that the solution cannot be to simply drop a dragnet over the entire country <laughs> and scoop up right. personal information about all of us all the time. Well, that's right. I mean, I don't want yeah. to have them listening to my phone call with my wife and uh, or anyone else. Oh, they say that. And, and the, the, I, there was an article in the Dutch newspaper, once in a while in Europe you can find out more, which indicates that the bad people, as you accurately call them, Al-Qaeda, you know, people who are trying to kill us, they don't even use conventional, you know, email and Internet technology, and they, they actually are able to do an end run around this sort of thing. So in well, a sense, extent, you can have a situation can. where the Sanef brothers here in Boston can blow a bomb at the at the uh, at the marathon and no one even uh, was monitoring them at all. We well they were getting slightly monitored according to this new report that just came out the the mm -hmm. Russians didn't really share enough information for the US to really I mean for example apparently there was a call between one of the Zarnayev brothers and her and his mother in which they were very explicitly talking about engaging in jihad and the right. Russians knew that and didn't say anything about it. So the Americans looked at it and said, yeah, these guys are potentially scary, but we have no evidence they're doing anything here. So what are we going to do? And, and this is a problem that's always going to happen, and there are always going to be cases like this. It's very difficult to say, well, they should have known. I, I don't really see how they could have known based on what they what information well, they had. Well, I think that the, the Russians time. already had told the FBI, and the FBI is refusing to release information to Congressman Stephen Lynch which I think is outrageous because Congressman Lynch is elected and he's a congressman. If he wants information from a government agency, I mean, you know, to my way of thinking, they're in contempt of Congress. But there's, uh, you know, there was somebody, I think, screwed up there. And uh, they well, were not possible. properly monitoring those guys. 
it, it is possible. I don't want to say absolutely that everything was done right, but I yes. guess I'm sympathetic in that it is very difficult to know oh, no, no all that noise. Who's the real threat and who's just some guy talking? But the and, broader question uh, is, uh, Hiawatha, is that uh, between the NSA, between Obamacare, which is gathering personal information about our health and, and entering it into a massive computer system that's being built in Utah, the Department of Education through Common Core is developing private information about our students in public schools. We're having a, a, a society where government agencies are basically going to know every little thing about us. And, and if the government doesn't, uh, some giant corporation will. And well, fact, sure, both... and, 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 and a pox on both their houses. But, I mean, I'm more troubled by the government only because the government is our law. The government has I mean, the gun. They have fiat power. Yeah, as, I, as I say in my Google book, can't do anything for me. Bingo. As I say in my book, Google does not run a network of maximum security prisons. So uh, <laughs> you, you, you just don't have to worry as much about that. But it, right. it, I, I, I am worried, and I worry about the private sector holding this data in part because the government then turns around, and even if the private company doesn't want to, they can be forced to give up the well, data. Well, I want to pray. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Let's do it again sometime. You are here from the Compass to GPS. how we find ourselves. For a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Tune up the furnace, clean the gutters, remodel the kitchen, Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, plumbers, whatever type of home pro you need. And HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. And because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Today in America, people wake up worrying about their job and paying their bills, and that stinks. People in third world countries wake up worrying if their children will have anything to eat, and that stinks even worse. There's a way to help solve both of those problems. Get on the Internet and go to usagoodness.com and find out how you can be a social entrepreneur. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, and for years I have been helping people work from home. With usagoodness.com, you can earn extra money working from home by helping to feed starving children in poverty-stricken areas. How great is that? The only tools you'll need are a telephone, Internet access, and a good work ethic. We'll teach you how to be a social entrepreneur and earn extra money while helping others. Go to usagoodness.com or call 800-301-6177. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much, and firstly, I'd like to thank again Boston Globe columnist Hiawatha Bray, who uh, joined me in the first segment. He is the author of You Are Here, From the Compass to GPS, The History and Future of How We Find Ourselves. 
And in hour number two, I'll be joined by Bill Timaeus, who is the author of Woodstock, a story of middle Americans. Uh, Bill talks about his uh, small-town background and upbringing and uh, why he believes that middle Americans, as he calls them, uh, have made up the backbone of our society. We'll be delving into that topic. Um, I have a new column that I've submitted to Front Page Magazine, and I'm going to read a little of it. Um, it's called American. It's sort of relevant, I think, slightly to the topics that Hiawatha Bray and I were discussing. American Gestapo. The first modern national police agency was established in Russia on December 7, 1917, when the leftist Soviet dictator Vladimir Lenin formed the All-Russian Extraordinary Commission, known as the Cheka. 15 years before Hitler's rise to power. The Nazis modeled their national police agency, the Gestapo, after Lenin's Cheka. And there is evidence suggesting that Heinrich Müller, the main architect of the, and the head of the Nazi Gestapo, was a spy for the leftist Russian dictator, Stalin. Evidence also suggests that at the end of the war, Gestapo Müller, as he was known, disappeared behind Russian lines, where he most likely went on to aid leftist East Germany in setting up their national police agency, the Stasi. The Cheka was set up to fight domestic opponents of Lenin, those whom he called enemies of the people. The Cheka, which underwent various name changes, developed an extensive spy network that would expand worldwide and reach deeply into the FDR administration. A function of the Cheka was to gather information, quote, information about organizations and persons whose activity is directed against the revolution and proper authority, unquote. Hello? Within three years of its founding, the Cheka employed 250,000 full-time government agents and a vast number of informers. The Cheka averaged 1,000 executions a month of just political criminals alone. This, in contrast to the operations of the Tsar's police, the Okhrana. We might be having a few technical issues here today. Um, the uh, Let me just go like this. Sorry about this. Here's another phone. Within three years of the This is in contrast to the operations of the Tsar's police, the Okhrana, which primarily functions to protect the Russian royal family. 
The Okrata employed approximately 15,000 agents and executed an average of 17 prisoners a year for all crimes. While the Okrata handed over its suspects to Russian courts for trial, the Cheka established its own secret court system, one that issued verdicts based upon, quote, the dictates of the revolutionary conscience. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The Answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could we meet suffering in this world, which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not? Where do we come from, and where are we going, and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure there's any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness, and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity, not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, you believe will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The Answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could we meet suffering in this world which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not? Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure there's any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer. Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity, not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, you believe will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. Attention men, if you were prescribed testosterone products and suffered a heart attack, you might be entitled to legal compensation. Recent studies have shown that certain men taking prescription testosterone may be more likely to suffer a heart attack or stroke. The FDA is currently investigating the possible risk of stroke, heart attack, and death in men taking prescription testosterone products. If you were prescribed testosterone and suffered a heart attack or stroke, or your loved one died after taking testosterone, call the offices of Gerard Gibbs at 800-520-1898. 800-520-1898 and get a free consultation as to what your rights may be. Again, recent studies have shown that certain men taking prescription testosterone may be more likely to suffer a heart attack or stroke. If you were prescribed testosterone and suffered a heart attack or stroke or your loved one died after taking testosterone, call the offices of Gerard Gibbs at 800-520-1898. That's 800-520-1898. 800-520-1898. Attorney Dylan Hughes is responsible for this advertisement, which does not constitute a guarantee or prediction regarding the outcome of your legal matter. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. And I'm talking, I'm reading from my latest article, which has uh, been submitted for publication, that being uh, American Gestapo. Within three years of its founding, the Checker employed 250,000 full-time government agents and a vast number of informers. 
The Cheka averaged a thousand executions a month of just political criminals alone. This is, and by the way, the uh, the this is a little addendum here. The Chinese communist uh, regime executes something like fifty thousand political prisoners a year, even today. The Cheka averaged a thousand executions a month of just political criminals. This is in contrast to the operation of the Tsar's police, the Okhrana, which primarily functioned to protect the Russian royal family. The Okhrana employed approximately 15,000 agents and executed an average of 17 prisoners a year for all crimes, while the Okhrana handed over its suspects to Russian courts for trial. The Cheka established its own secret court system, one that issued verdicts based upon, quote, the dictates of the revolutionary conscience, unquote. Within weeks of, the, of its establishment, the Cheka began setting up a network of concentration and labor camps, a system documented by Nobel Prize-winning Soviet refusenik Alexander Solzhenitsyn in his book, The Gulag Archipelago. Hitler also embraced this model for his own concentration camp system. An evidence exists that indicates that one of its main architects, Nazi official Martin Bormann, who played the role of Hitler's virtual prime minister and who chaired the infamous Bamsi conference, was also a Soviet agent. Bormann and Gestapo Müller were both key players in the Holocaust against the Jews which, it could be argued, was also a product of Soviet influence. Lenin employed his secret police to liquidate entire groups of people. In January 1918, Lenin called for the, quote, shooting on the spot, one out of every ten found idling, publicly urging the Cheka, quote, until we apply the terror, shooting on the spot, to speculators, we shall achieve nothing. Unquote. He then demanded, quote, the arrest and shooting of takers of bribes, swindlers, etc. Unquote. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could we prevent suffering in this world, which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not? Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure is there any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness, and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity and not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, your belief will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. Getting back to my article, American Gestapo. And this is uh, Lenin's uh, setting up the Cheka within a week of um, taking over as dictator in Russia. 
On February 22, 1918, Lenin ordered local Soviets to, quote, seek out, arrest, and shoot immediately, unquote, those he declared as enemies of the people. On August 18th, he ordered the Soviet of Nishki Novgorod, quote, he must exert every effort, instantly induce, introduce mass terror, shoot, and transport hundreds of prostitutes who get the soldiers drunk, officers, etc. Not a minute to be wasted, unquote. Lenin introduced collective punishment for what he deemed to be collective guilt. Under Lenin, entire groups and categories of people were declared guilty and were wiped out. Lenin annihilated over 4 million in genocide, or democide, by 1920, a fact that was noted by the nascent Nazis of the 1920s, who may have also observed the indifference, and in many cases, the support the leftist Soviets received in elite liberal circles for their unprecedented atrocities. It was natural for the Soviets and the Nazis to establish social planning regimes which sought to remake their respective societies, to establish national police agencies, given the fact that these two nanny states sought planned economies and control of business, property, education, health care, welfare, population, and just about every other aspect of the life of the citizens. Americans rejected the idea of a national police force from the time of the founding until today, as in America, the highest law enforcement officer in the land has traditionally been the elected county sheriff. America's first national investigative agency, which became known as the FBI, was set up by President Woodrow Wilson to investigate crime and political conspiracy while working with local law enforcement and the courts who would be empowered to act in the context of due process. After World War II, President Harry Truman established the system that exists today, the National Security Apparatus, which includes the CIA, the NSA, among other agencies. Later, former President Truman noted, quote, I never would have agreed to the formation of the Central Intelligence Agency back in 1947 if I had known it would become the American Gestapo. Certainly these agencies have overstepped their original mandate in many well-documented ways as they have moved in the direction of establishing a national police force. The Obama administration has accelerated this process to an unprecedented degree. Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama at a campaign stop in Colorado Springs July 2nd, 2008, set the tone for the development of a national police force when he stated that the United States, quote, cannot continue to rely on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives we set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded, unquote. We will not likely see as blatant a development as the outright establishment of an American National Police Agency and American Gestapo, but rather we are witnessing the incremental establishment of such entities as law enforcement divisions, which are appendages to growing numbers of federal and state agencies, 
since 2009, the Department of Justice and the IRS have become militarized with the procurement of arms and military training for officers. IRS warrants against businesses have increased since 2009, with increasing numbers of raids of private businesses conducted by SWAT teams. This phenomenon is particularly disturbing in light of congressional testimony by former IRS employees regarding the political targeting by the agency of individuals and groups viewed as enemies of the present government. Since 2001, the Department of Education has been stockpiling an arsenal through purchases orchestrated by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Since 2010, the Department of Homeland Security has been stockpiling millions of rounds of ammunition, including hollow-point bullets, which are illegal in many countries. In 2014, the U.S. Postal Service asked contractors to register as potential ammunition suppliers, and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Associate Administration purchased 72,000 rounds of 40 Smith & Wesson. In 2012, Ocean had purchased 46,000 rounds of 40 SCW jacketed hollow-point bullets. Breathe it in, kid. Clean, fresh air thanks to these new air handler filters. They're more energy efficient, hold more dust, and are stronger than ever. And Granger's got over 3,000 different styles and sizes to choose from. Just ordered a new batch from Granger.com today. I love oxygen, kid. And this facility's got some great AO2. I'm breathing easier just thinking about these air handler filters. Get some today. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com slash air handler or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Inventory isn't about products, kid. It's about money. Products sitting on shelves is money sitting on shelves. I hate overstock. I hate understock. I hate wasting time. I hate wasting money. That's why I love Granger. Granger Keep Stock Solutions help us manage our facility's inventory so we have exactly what we need when we need it. No more, no less. It's inventory management my way. Get it? Got it? Good. Visit Granger.com slash Keepstock for more information. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. Back to American Gestapo. The transport notarization is also occurring at the state and local level, as local police departments are for the first time receiving military-grade weapons and hardware along with paramilitary training. Advances in technology such as that, such is such that the NSA is capable of monitoring the phone conversations and Internet exchanges of millions of people without notice. Other developing technologies employed by the growing numbers of police agencies include pre-crime surveillance cameras, biometric systems, GPS tracking chips in cars, and research conducted by the Defense Department's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, which conducts parapsychological experiments and research. Does this mean the emergence of a Leninist-style Cheka or a Nazi Gestapo in America anytime soon? The possibility of such a development should never be dismissed out of hand or denigrated as a figment of the fecund imagination of a paranoid citizen. The militarization of American institutions at all levels and the development of the new technologies 
that could track more aspects of human life, even though, even thought are concerning. As the compiling of data on people by government agencies, including the Department of Education and agencies affiliated with Obamacare, as the degree by which the American public accepts greater infringements in constitutional rights and civil liberties in the name of safety. As are executive orders issued by the White House that grant the president direct control over the means of production in times of emergency as it would be arbitrarily defined. The two great 20th century experiments in political and social planning, Nazism and communism, viewed a national police force as essential to their authoritarian success. And in this regard, they were correct. Indeed, in order to implement such an unnatural system of human beings, Centralized use of force is essential. <clears throat> to suggest that our liberal American elite is not moving in the direction, in the same direction, albeit in a more moderate American context, would be the height of naivete, one that would be ill afforded by a people with a tradition of individual sovereignty and freedom. Okay, we'll be back. Special news alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call one 800 210 That's 1-800-210-1349. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-210-1349. 1-800-210-1349. That's 1-800-210-1349. And if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. They had obviously researched every place, not just given me names. They found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. We're now... Very confident that she's safe, and they just helped every step of the way, and I can't thank them enough. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call a place for mom. This is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, 800-469-7591, 800-469-7591. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Morse speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. I'll have a Chuck Morse speaks Monday through Friday, 10 till noon. 
Eastern Standard Time here in Boston at the IRN USA Radio Network, which is Central Time in Memphis. You're welcome to join the program. 844-439-1391. 844-439-1391. I'd like to welcome back Bill Tomeos. He is the author of Woodstock, a story of middle Americans from the middle of the 20th century and often from the middle of the United States came people Bill Tomeus describes as middle Americans. This book is about why they mattered and how America is different today because of their values, approaches, and adaptability as they faced and even helped to shape the enormous changes that have swept across American life in the last 70 or more years. This is both a highly personal story of the author's roots and experiences as a representative middle American as well as a much broader story of people have made an enormous difference in their communities and their nation. Bill, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, listen, the um, you, you know you you've captured uh, a view of uh, Middle America, small town America, which of course is is um, something that that exists in all states. It's not just in the middle part of the country. I would say. I mean, you could say right. that there's middle America and parts of my own home state of Massachusetts, even though we're generally thought of as part of the eastern seaboard liberal, you know, urban megalopolis that stretches from from uh, the New Hampshire border down to Washington, D.C. Um, right, yeah. But if you step outside the big cities and the wealthy suburbs, you often get um, a very different perspective. Uh, talk a bit, if you will, Bill, about Middle America. I mean, as as a man who grew up in it, and uh, what you've learned. Well, Middle America, as you rightly uh, draw from my new book, Chuck, is uh, is not a geography. is is not geographically limited. It it has to do with attitude. It has to do with how we approach life, uh, our values, our commitments, uh, and. It has to do with a sense of community um, so that you could have been a middle American from, as I say, Rochester, New York, or Eugene, Oregon, uh, but it was really hard not to be a middle American coming from Woodstock, Illinois, in the in the middle of the 20th century. And, and these are values uh, of of adaptability to change, and yet change uh, that we want to make sure is the right change. Um, I, not to uh, take us off tangent here, uh, Chuck, but I I felt very much this sense of community this last week right here in Kansas City when we experienced this terrible attack on the Jewish community uh, by a, a, a neo-Nazi uh, who was uh, arrested for this? And we held a uh, we held th- that very night, Sunday night, we held a uh, uh, prayer vigil at at a. It was organized by the Jewish community as well as the Christian community, and we packed a church, uh, an Episcopal church, with um, five to eight hundred people. Uh, Sunday night, just hours after. Uh, the, the shootings. Uh, I spoke there, but one of the speakers was someone who, whose son and father were both murdered that day. She came to, to say to us, thank you for surrounding us with uh, love and compassion, and it was, it was a remarkable time. And it seemed to me that that really represented 
the core values of of what I try to describe as middle Americans in my book. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say so. I think it, it describes the values of mo- of all Americans, except criminals and people uh, on some kind of a um, who knows what, some bizarre fringe group. But um, yeah. you know, I, I think that maybe what might resonate in Middle America with such a terrible incident would be that uh, smaller communities in the United States, I think, have and probably the world have a much more ingrained sense of law and order. Uh, you've got local policing. You've got people who know who is in the in the community and who's troubled and or whatnot. And you know, you have people who kind of keep an eye. You know, the neighbor keeps an eye on the neighbor. And you know, there, there's yeah. a sense of of community that comes with this uh, this idea of law and order. And uh, and such a ripping apart of our of our fabric of law and order by this brutal, senseless murder is something that I think particularly resonates um, in middle America, although it's something that's going on all the time in big urban cities, where you have people who are being shot for for various reasons, sometimes um, unknown reasons. So, um, you know, to that extent, I think that that what what you're seeing in middle America is this this sense of of law and order as being a part of the, um, the fabric of the society. Yeah, and I think uh, when we talk about law and order, that phrase uh, back in uh, Nixon's time, for instance, began to mean the police against us. And that's certainly not what we mean. The police are us. And um, there's a sense in which uh, among middle Americans that, that uh, they they represent us. And, and yet I, I must say, though, that I have been a little disturbed by the fact that uh, the community rallies around uh, the, the victims of the families who are victims of this sensational triple murder here. And yet, day after day in Kansas City and certainly other cities, uh, there are murders, uh, individual murders, and particularly in the black community of one individual after another, and they get a few paragraphs in the paper and, and are forgotten about. Um, and it it strikes me as, as odd that somehow our sense of community uh, seems to have uh, borders to it and, and doesn't, uh, doesn't include uh, people that seem to be different from us. Well, uh, you know, Bill Simaeus is my guest. I mean, I, I think that I just sort of, Implied what what you're saying here in that the, in the smaller communities you have a much better sense of law and order and you have bad people are weeded out, whereas in the bigger cities we we don't have that we've we've actually had situations where the system of law and order has broken down. You've got judges who let people out early on the streets who are criminals and who are dangerous and who are violent and who tend to not favor the victims, but they actually have a mentality of favoring the criminals. And you have a, uh, you know, kind of a, a lack of, um, of solid, objective policing and, uh, and law enforcement in communities, which makes them rife for criminals who can then go in and commit terrible crimes, including murder. And I think that actually Mayor Giuliani of New York had a very addressed this along with his police commissioner 
Billy Bratton, who was also a police commissioner here in Boston for a while. And, and he, it was basically what he it was what he called the broken window theory. In that, in a community where there was some evidence that things were starting to look a little bad, because a house might have had a broken window that somebody wasn't fixing, and that there was a sense that this could lead to crime and social disorder, you would have the people of that community go up and knock on the door to the person and say, listen, would you please fix your window? And if you, if you can't afford to, we'll pay for it and we'll fix it. Yeah. And really pressure people to take care of their properties. And the result was a, a marked decrease in crime in New York City mm-hmm. when people in the community started to uh, take responsibility for the appearance of their community and respect for their property and respect for you know, the appearance of young people and, and whatnot. But then, I mean, you mentioned the black community. I'm particularly troubled when I see a situation like Bill Cosby, who's one of America's preeminent African-Americans, um, right. become virtually ostracized in that community because he's pointed out that um, particularly young black males are not behaving in a way that is uh, going to make them successful. You know, that they're wearing their pants halfway down that they're, you know, where they caps backwards, that there's a, there's kind of a lack of respect. And um, the result of that is that he's been accused of being, you know, like an Oreo or something like that. So yeah. I think that yeah. there might be a mentality that's taken a hold there that is not oriented toward um, becoming, you know, the, the American ideal, if you will, the middle American ideal, which is to, um, to make something of yourself, to try to rise up from your own bootstraps. Yeah, and the, what what I think is a good indication of that kind of attitude is that we can laugh about ourselves. Uh, uh, we, you know, when I think of middle Americans, we, we joke that uh, in my hometown, you never had to use your turn signal because everybody knew where you were going anyway. Sure. And uh, <laughs> we, we would say that, uh, you know, if you dial a wrong number, you, you end up talking for 15 minutes because you knew whoever it was who answered. Um, yep. And it, it's that kind of connectionalism that I think is often missing in uh, communities that are are being uh, destroyed and uh, torn apart by violence and uh, uh, a whole series of things that, that make life very difficult. And I, I think that's in some ways what, what middle Americans, as I describe them in, in my new book, that's part of what we brought to this country is is this sense of connection, so that uh, as in the windows um, in that story that you just gave, um, uh-huh. I, I see that and on my own block here in Kansas City. I live right in the city, um, but it's a it's a good neighborhood, uh, and we have a neighborhood association. And once uh, once or twice a year, we get together on our own block and re-meet our neighbors, and so uh, if, if there's something going on on the block, we know about it. We have a, a neighborhood watch group. It's it's that kind of connectionalism that I think really gives strength uh, to a community, and w- without that, you, you, you run amok. You really do. Well, in a sense, though, you're recreating a, a, a smaller community, a local middle American community in a big city like Kansas City, and... Um, that's interesting, but I would say the only differential I might make is that uh, the local community, the block, 
um, it, it's not, it's like, it's not a big government situation. It's private. It's people getting together and just uh, getting to know each other and, and putting in equal investment into into the community. I mean, I can't help but think when you talk about this, of like the, the model, and if God forbid this would ever happen here, but in communist China, where you have like a local block person monitoring everyone's behavior and reporting to a uh, you know party member who then, let's say a woman might have a pregnancy that's not allowed because she has already a lot of number of children, they show up at the house, they drag her out and give her a forced abortion. I mean, so, I mean, we're not talking about that. I mean, we're not talking about the government monitoring such local communities and, and, and blocks. We're talking about private citizens getting together with a self-interest, which is to preserve the the value and the uh, the state of uh, law and order and, and orderly society in their community and doing so voluntarily. That's right. And, and in that same spirit, uh, I'm a member of a Protestant church that is working with seven or eight other churches, both Catholic and Protestant, to help uh, in a troubled high school near us in our neighborhood. Uh, I work over there as a volunteer. Okay, Bill, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but we got to take a break. This is a special news alert to consumers who own back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-210-1349. That's 1-800-210-1349. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-210-1349. 1-800-210-1349. That's 1-800-210-1349. I bet you've heard this phrase before, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. It's attributed to poet Ralph Waldo Emerson in the late 19th century. Since that time, more than 4,400 patents have been issued for new mousetraps, making them the most frequently invented device in U.S. history. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby from the Three-Step Plan Home Business System. Now, we don't sell mousetraps, but we do market the highest quality products we can find in our business category. To prove it, we'd like to send you a free sample that you could try for yourself. Right now, we're looking for people in this area who would like to earn between $500 and $5,000 a month using a telephone and the Internet to market these great products. To get your free sample and find out how you can make extra money working from home, go to 3stepusa.com. That's 3stepusa.com or call 800-480-2102. 800-480-2102. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Tune up the furnace, clean the gutters, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, plumbers, 
whatever type of home pro you need. And HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. And because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Your water may have bad taste or smells, but there's even more to be concerned about. City water contains harmful chlorine and chemicals, which enter our bodies while showering, cooking, and washing food. Bottled water or sink filters don't protect you. Quad Max, HydroCare's revolutionary whole house system provides healthy, clean, great-tasting water from every faucet with virtually no pressure loss. It's the only one of its kind with four times the purification capacity in one compact unit, and it's only $495. The water quality far exceeds that of a system selling for twice the price. So take charge of your family's health. HydroCare, the smart technology for all your water problems. Try now, pay later. Go to bestfiltertoday.com. That's bestfiltertoday.com. Or call now, 1-866-984-6024. That's 1-866-984-6024. The revolution in clean water is here. Hydrocare. Chuck Morse speaks. Woodstock, a story of Middle America. Bill, you've also been a religious columnist. You've written on religion, that is, um, over the years, and um, and the state of American religion. Um, we've talked before. You've talked about the religion or the religiosity, if you will, of Middle Americans. And uh, in that analysis, I recall you excluding people that you claimed were quote, fundamentalist Christian. Um, could you talk about the religiosity of middle America? Yeah, I I would describe the religious landscape of middle Americans as, uh, well, historically, uh, primarily Protestant, uh, primarily uh, people who uh, tend to try to live out their faith in, in ways that uh, make sense. Um, and I would describe Middle Americans as part of part of that group, but uh, Middle Americans, in my view, are, are not uh, rigid. They're, they're not fundamentalist in, in either a political or a religious way. That is, most middle Americans you will find are not those who think that the earth is a few thousand years old and that um, uh, the earth was created in six literal days and, and those sorts of points of view. Um, rather, uh, I think among Christians and Jews both, um, we take scripture seriously, which means that we can't, uh, for the most part, take it literally. Uh, we understand metaphor. Uh, we understand that the point of many stories in the Bible uh, is not to be uh, a scientific textbook or a historical textbook, but to, to the question.
question to ask, rather, is what does this passage say about God? What does it say about us? And what does it say about our relationship to God? Uh, it may not be historically accurate, but it is. But these stories are true in in the most important sense of that term. I think that's how I would describe uh, the religiosity, as you put it, of Middle Americans. Well, you know, Bill, I think you're leaving out a pretty large swath of what I would argue is part of Middle America, and that is believing Christians, uh, Bible-believing Christians. Um, and, um, I mean, the idea of, of accepting the uh, creation story in the book of Genesis as a matter of faith, I mean, I, I don't see that as being all that rigid. It's, um, I don't think that um, most Christians claim that this is hard science, and, you know, but they might reject those who claim that uh, man came from the, you know, the primordial ooze or from what Darwin calls a warm, small pond. You know, they might right. they might question the scientific validity of that theory, but that doesn't mean that. Um, I mean, to my way of thinking, there's a there's a rigidness in those who adhere to, you know, that particular version of creation, which I think is a fetish amongst the establishment left. But um, I don't think that that a belief in the Bible is you know in general is rigid. I mean, uh, and and you know, you might think that there's something preposterous about the, um, you, you know, the the idea that uh, you know Adam and Eve were the first human couple and whatnot. But um, you know, so, so do you think that if the the life of Jesus is preposterous too? I mean, you know, I don't happen to be Christian, but you know, when I take a look at, at what Christians believe with regard to Jesus as being a virgin birth and and resurrected from the dead. I mean, it's not a particular belief of mine, but people who do believe in that, I don't view them as rigid. It's faith. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right about that. And and uh, th there is a lot about the story that Christians tell, uh, the story of their faith that uh, from the outside looks does look preposterous. And uh, and so we have to be very careful uh, to be respectful of. Of the beliefs of others, um, but all I was saying is that for the most part, the people that I think of as Middle Americans um, are people who would not uh, lock themselves into a deeply rigid fundamentalist view of of religion of Scripture. Um, it's not to say that among fundamentalist Christians there. You won't find people with a lot of the same characteristics of other Middle Americans, um, but I just think that the, the people that in my book that I describe as Middle Americans are tend to be uh, less rigid about um, the, how you read Scripture, about their uh, their exegetical uh, way of, of, of studying Scripture. No, I mean, I get what you're saying. I just think that, that perhaps we're we're characterizing people who question the scientific theories of the establishment and those rigidly held, by the way, as yep. being and it's killing you. You go around wearing a smile, pretending everything's okay. You put up a front to disguise the fact that you're really sick with worry about your health, about your sanity, about everything. And you think nobody understands. But I understand. 
you're irritable, you lose sleep, and your mind is racing with fearful thoughts. You want it to stop. You just don't know what to do. I'm Lucinda Bassett, founder of the Midwest Center for Stress and Anxiety. I can show you how to make it stop. Please let me send you a powerful free CD that will help you discover a way to stop the painful anxiety and depression without abusing alcohol or taking medication. I did it and so have hundreds of thousands of people just like you. Start changing your life from the inside out. Please call now. Dealing with stress and unhappiness? Call to get this wonderful free CD now. Call 800-769-8147. That's 800-769-8147. Get your free CD from the Midwest Center. 800-769-8147. Friend, this is Pat Boone with a pretty good idea on how you can earn extra money in your spare time and while you're doing it, help provide food for starving children. You heard me. Now you can earn money for your family and provide meals for hungry children all at the same time. Why don't you check out usagoodness.com. Get more information on starting a new home business. You'll feel great earning extra money to help the family budget, but you'll feel even better knowing that your work is actually saving lives. Go to usagoodness.com or call toll-free 800 301 6177. Again, 800 301 6177. You can earn some extra money for your family while helping other families in dire need of food and provision. 800 301 6177 or usagoodness.com and you can tell them Pat Boone gave you the number. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Bill Tineas is my guest. The book is Woodstock, a story of Middle America. And we're talking about the characteristics that make up, in general, Middle Americans. Uh, you, know, you know, I suppose that what one views as rigid might depend on where one is coming from. My experience with rigidity has been um, people whom I've been surrounded with who are, who are really not what I would call Middle Americans. And, and they're people who are on the far left, and they're very rigid and intolerant, and they're haters. And they have a very extreme and what I would say, you know, view of the world that I think has often been erroneously prescribed to religious Christians who are not quite of that, of that cut of that cloth. And I also think that um, the idea of believing in uh, in the book of Genesis, and after all, in Judaism, we're told, I happen to be Jewish, that the Bible is true, the Torah is true, mm-hmm. uh, that, that it's harmless. And the last time we spoke, you made, I thought, a rather intemperate comment when you compared people who are believers in uh, the book of Genesis to, to those people who hijacked the planes on 9-11, um, as if somehow uh, there's some sort of a, a parallel there. I mean, I think that the hijackers of 9-11 have a lot more in common with communists than they do with, you know, any religious Christian. Religious Christians aren't flying planes in a building. Um, if, if I made that direct uh, uh, correlation, uh, I, I certainly didn't mean to imply that people who are uh, believers in a in the truth of the Genesis story are anything like the people who murdered my nephew that day on 9-11 who right. were the Al-Qaeda people. But, um, but there is a, there is a, uh, there, there can be in religion a common 
functionality of of rigidity in the sense that uh, if you think at all times that your view of the world is is right because God told you that, that can lead to some very troubling behavior, and uh, that that's true all over the lot. Um, I, I understand what you're saying about the people you describe as the far left. Uh, I think these labels hide more than they reveal, but I think I, I know what you mean by that. And I've I've experienced that same thing as I've experienced it from people that you might describe as the far right. Um, mm-hmm. w- what I'm trying to hold up as a better model uh, in, in the book as as Middle Americans are those people who um, deal with others with respect, even when they disagree. For instance. Uh, the author, the co-author of my previous book about the book about Jews in Poland who uh, survived the Holocaust with non-Jewish help, it was called "They Were Just People." My co-author is a rabbi, and before we could work on this book together, it was important for us to sit down and look at each other and say, "Okay, here's how we differ," and uh, and viva la difference in in some sense. I mean, I. Uh, he had to say to me, look, Bill, uh, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm never going to believe in Jesus. I don't know how you can believe in Jesus, but I love you anyway. And I had to say, uh, look, Jesus is decisive for me. Uh, I I wish you could understand the joy I feel because of that, but I respect where you are, and I love you anyway. And off we went and did the book. That's the kind of attitude I think that middle Americans use when they, when they approach religion, avoiding the, the far edges. No, I, I agree with that, and I, I just would uh, briefly mention again that, that I have found in my own experience, both personally and also in terms of my my research, which has been going on for 15 years as a radio talk show host, that that you find the least tolerant people on the far left uh, in terms of having any interaction with somebody that doesn't goose step to their point of view. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it affect me. It's affected my family. When I became publicly conservative back in 2004 in my very ultra-liberal community, I mean, I can tell you here raising stories of the hatred and viciousness that I've had to endure from that. From people and we will be right back. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to our new book called The answer, proof of God in heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could we prevent suffering in this world, which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not? Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure there's any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness, and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity, not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, your belief will turn into knowledge, and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. Hello, my name is Marius Forte. And together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called 
the answer, proof of God in heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could we meant suffering in this world which sounds like a contradiction? But it is not. Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure there's any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity and not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, you believe will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. We knew that Thomas Edison gave us the first commercial light bulb. But did you know he invented alkaline batteries and an electric train? Edison said, if we all did the things we're capable of, we would astound ourselves. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. For almost two decades, I've been helping families build home businesses. Many have been astounded at what they've been able to achieve. Today, I want to introduce you to my newest and most exciting home business concept ever. It's MaxAchieve.com. If you'd like to earn $500 to $5,000 or more a month working from home, check out MaxAchieve.com. This is more than a home business. At MaxAchieve, we want to help you experience more success in all areas of your life. To find out how you could astound yourself, go to MaxAchieve.com. That's MaxAchieve.com. Or call 800-801-3465. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much, Bill Pineas is my guest, Woodstock, a story of middle Americans. I guess what we're talking here about uh, people who embrace religious religious, uh, points of view, I would argue whether they're religious in the formal sense or not. Um, And and I will agree with you in one respect with regard to fundamentalist Protestants in, in very select situations, which is uh, in that their, their belief is contrary to mine as a Jew. It's contrary, I think, to Catholics. It's contrary to most Protestants. In that, when I look at the Bible, when I look at the Torah, I also look at the opinions of learned rabbis who have spent their life researching it, and who are right. continuing in a long tradition of rabbis who are qualified to look at it, and who are highly religious and moral people. Um, going back to the days of Talmud, so that I can understand what it means and how it applies to, to life today. Uh, I don't expect them to change anything in the Bible. In fact, they don't. What they do is that they try to understand what God meant. And I think that that's also true in Catholicism. Sometimes when you get to fundamentalist Protestants, they tend to think they know something. They'll read it in the Bible and they'll just say, well, this is it, and this is what it is, and it's not, they're not doing the necessary study and research and reflection to really learn what, what is meant. So, that's what I so admire about Talmudic culture, which is that the Talmud is 3,000 pages, 90% of which is unresolved debate. And the exactly. lesson there is to say to yourself, if you think 
that you have the final answer to everything here, better think again. Uh, because as you suggest, the rabbis have been arguing about this stuff for a very long time. And uh, a, a false certitude about things uh, can be put into action and, and have disastrous consequences. Why? Well, I, I think, for instance, of for how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years has the Christian church uh, preached uh, an anti-Judaism? Um, and only in the last 50 or 60 years uh, has the Catholic Church, for instance, uh, taken away the, uh, the idea that uh, Jews are somehow responsible, and today is the day to talk about that uh, on Good Friday. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could we make suffering in this world, which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not? Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure there's any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness, and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity, not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, your belief will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much, and my guest is Bill Smith, Woodstock, a story of Middle Americans. Uh, Bill, I just want to point out that with regard to uh, Talmudic rabbis, those who are legitimate, and the Talmud, the Talmud itself was was written by a, a council of seventy-one rabbis that went that, that sat in in kind of almost like a Supreme Court type situation for over five hundred. Seventy-one rabbis with three hundred. Uh, 300 positions on stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but but it's a fascinating story of how they did this, and none of them sought to in any way change or uproot the Torah. They sought, sought to understand it, to try to right. receive it. It was all, they were all on the same page in many ways. And uh, as far as anti-Semitism in the, in the New Testament, yes, it is there. I've seen it. Um, there's also um, comments that are attributed to Jesus where he says that the uh, the Pharisees were great men, and in Judaism they were. These were the people who eventually wrote the Talmud, and that they are to, and that they represent the law, and that the law of the Torah is never to be changed forever. So, I mean, I guess that there are contradictions in the New Testament, and that uh, for the most part, I think that uh, the idea of of um, Christian Christians being anti-Semitic is is an exception. It's not really a part of the the, the basic view of humanity, whereas um, in Islam, with regard to the people who did fly those planes on 9-11, they believe in jihad, and there's nothing like that in the Christian text, nothing like that in Judaism. They believe in a physical control of the entire planet. Nothing like that exists in, in Christianity or Judaism. So, you know, we're talking about different religions here. Not all religions are the same, 
and that when the Christian, even the fundamentalist Protestant, when they adhere to the Bible, the Old Testament, the Torah, I don't see this being a great harm. I mean, I don't. They're not being called to to conquer the world. They're not being called to subjugate people. They're called. It's a personal faith. I mean, Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not, you know, it's not a physical world controlling uh, philosophy. And, and in that sense, I think that Islam has a lot more in common with the two great socialist experiments of the 20th century, those being Nazism and communism. And those were anti-religious, they were anti-Christian, they were certainly anti-Jewish. And, um, and and that needs to be, and they were causes of all the big wars. So, yeah, I think we need to put this into that context. Well, I, I don't disagree except to say that, well, first of all, I'm not here to defend Islam, but I would say that every religion has its radicals, uh, and that the bin Laden, al-Qaeda branch, uh, is not representative of traditional Islam, just as the Ku Klux Klan was not representative of traditional Christianity. And the guy who was arrested here on Sunday for shooting people at the Jewish Community Center uh, and so on uh, was a Klansman. And so, again, I say that ideas put into action have consequences, and uh, as they did, as they did here. Uh, it, absolutely outside of of tradi- what traditional Christianity teaches, just as the actions of the hijackers on 9-11 was absolutely outside of what traditional Islam teaches. You know, Bill, I don't know if the Klan associates itself as being Christian. I mean, maybe you know more about that than I do. I mean, I think of them more as like a Nazi-like movement, and the Nazis are as anti-Christian as they are anti-Jewish. But... Um, I guess the, my my contention here is that the, there's nothing in in Judeo-Christian tradition that calls for jihad, whereas in Islam there is, and you know the, the people that did that were in a sense they they were not outside the fold of Islam. I mean that's just a fact. It's an unpleasant fact, but it's not to say that most Islamic uh, people are flying airplanes around into our buildings. Uh, they're not as they're not that religious. But Islam does call for this. I mean, it's uh, anyone can refer to the text of the Quran and the Hadith, and, and it's all over there. Whereas the, uh, the 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 Torah and the New Testament has none of that. And, and again, these are just this is just the fact. I mean, it's it, it, I guess I'm bringing it up to illustrate that there are differences in between religions. There are differences between political faiths. And when you have a radical Christian group, they're exceptions. They're not part of the faith. I mean, they are misinterpretations. Same thing with Jewish groups. You know, there's, these are these are exceptional moments that actually are deviations. Whereas in Islam, well, I, I think... I would just uh, caution people to be careful not to read a sacred text by themselves without help from interpretation from others. You can pick well, you up the Quran and that. find all kinds of stuff in it, but it helps to know what that really means, just as you can pick up the New Testament and hear Jesus say, if you're eye sins, uh, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. What in the world does that mean? Uh, you, you, well, you, that's something please tell us. <laughs> no, but I agree with you on that, <laughs> on that bill. I mean, I don't know if that's supposed to be taken from the We'll be right back. All right. 
you have a mortgage and a load of other debt. Wouldn't it be great if it all just went away? Nine-year mortgage can change your life. We paid off all of our bills. All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years? We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments. Even have more money left over each month? It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500. Nine-year mortgage. (laughs) Where have they been all of our life? If you knew about something like that, you'd want to tell everybody. Whenever I have a friend or someone that needs this service, I give them the number. Hi, I'm Larry Ruff, president of Nine Year Mortgage. This is unlike anything you've ever seen before, and it will absolutely not harm your credit. Call for your free CD and learn how you can eliminate all of your debt, including your mortgage, much sooner than you ever dreamed possible. The more debt you have, the more we can help. Call for your free CD now, 800-383-5310. This works. Call the number. Call now for your free CD, 800-383-5310, 800-383-5310. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks very much for coming today. We do have a Woodstock, the story of Middle Americans, available on many bookstores at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, still, you know, I'm not an expert in New Testament, but uh, based on what you just said, I mean, at least he's not saying cut someone else's hands off. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just, again, I don't know the context, and I don't know what, what was said there. Yeah, uh, my point is that it's really easy to misinterpret sacred writ, and uh, if if you read it without some context, without some help, uh, you're going to come out with a lot of interpretations that are not at all what is meant by the traditional faith. So just be careful. No, and I agree with that. I mean, as, as we said, I mean, it's uh, I rely on the on the wisdom of um, thousands of years of people who really knew how to do this, and they were experienced. And they, they delved into it. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't just plow into it myself. I mean, that's as bad as people who come up with these nutty conspiracy theories. They don't know what the heck they're talking about. You know, you have to be right. very careful yeah. about how you do things. Anyway, well, and my, my point in my book is that middle Americans yeah. are careful. They are, they are people who uh, are rational and reasonable and uh, who make up the backbone of this country? Uh, they're not radicals in any sense, and they they are communal people. They they support one another, and and those sorts of values are what help to, uh, in the wake of the greatest generation, so called, uh, what we brought to this country is a kind of stability and a and a, a sense of of reasonableness. I agree with that, Bill. And listen, thanks so much again for joining me. And, Thank uh, you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay. Book is uh, Woodstock, A Story of Middle Americans. Bill Timaeus is the author, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Check out my books, which are available also on Amazon. Uh, just put my name in the server, Chuck Morse, Morse like Morse code, and you'll see a whole group of books come up. I've written probably over a dozen nonfiction books, and... Uh, they're um, some published by Willamette Daily, some published through Amazon Kindle, uh, but they just keep rolling off the press. I got another one that I hope to finish mm, probably over the summer. And the working title is Pivots of Good and Evil. I get into events in history that have either transformed our Western civilization for the better or for the worse. Thank you. 
special news alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-210-1349. That's 1-800-210-1349. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-210-1349. 1-800-210-1349. That's 1-800-210-1349. 